Welcome to Halal Money Matters, presented by Saturna Capital. I'm Christopher Patton. And I'm Onim Salam. Welcome. Uh, we have a lot of people in the room, more than usual. Yeah, this is going to be a fun one, it's I think. It's going to get rowdy uh, pretty quick. But I, I wanted to say uh, to you first, uh, Ramadan Mubarak. Ramadan Kareem. That's right. Uh, so uh, so what, I, what I thought we'd do is, um, because it's Ramadan right now, and thought it'd be an opportunity for us to all get together and just have a discussion about you know just different stories that we've all kind of picked up. Now, all of us have been traveling for a very long time, Chris, uh, um, you know, going across the country, their conferences or speaking at mosques and those type of things. And I'm sure each one of you has a story that you can tell. So I want to introduce everybody. Why don't you do that for us? Just introduce everybody. All right. We're here today with some of our regional managers. We got Samir Sarmas here. Tell me more about what you do. Yes. Asalaamu uh, Alaikum. Hello, everybody. Ramadan Kareem. My name is Samir Sarmas. I'm a financial planner and regional manager here at Saturna. I help our clients, you know, establish their goals and, and work towards them. All right, going around the table, we got Haytham Al Sayed. Yes, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa to everybody. Um, Haytham Al Sayed, regional manager with Saturna Capital, uh, advisors to the Amana funds. I've been with the firm a little over four years now. Um, my role is working with the uh, community advisors around the country that have access to our funds. Uh, that work at different financial institutions. I'm happy to be here. Um, Haytham joined us on our episode about kind of making the switch from traditional finance to Islamic finance. And then next, going around the table, we have Amjad Quadri. Ramadan Mubarak. Aapku aur aapke pure khandan ku. Happy to be on again, guys. You joined us for our Halal Mortgages episode, I which did. I thought was very interesting. Well, happy to have you back. Amjad, I got to put you on the spot here, man. Okay, so you said that in Urdu. You got to say it in Arabic now. We got Haytham Al Sayed here. Right Go for it, Haytham. Right here. Oh, mashallah. Okay. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. Ramadan Mubarak. My name is Oways Dadaboy. I live in Southern California. I've been with Saturna's Amana Mutual Funds for the last 11 years, and I'm the director of Islamic Investing. You may have seen me in one of your cities around the country. As well as on our Investing for Retirement episode here, That's most right. notably. A lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> Very true, very true. I'm excited to dig into these road stories from you guys. Does anyone uh, want to kick it off? Or Money, maybe you have a question to pose to, to get things rolling. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's Ramadan, time for families to be together. I just wanted to, you know, ask you guys, uh, uh, anybody want to go first with just one story that really sticks out? And I say, you know what, in all your travel that you've done, what's the one story that sticks out to you and says, you know, that, wow, this is, this is, what I, this is why I do what I do? Uh, well, I mean, I could kick it off. Um, you know, as a financial planner, you, you meet with uh, several clients, uh, and, you know, each of them has a unique goal, right, what they're trying to accomplish. I mean, overall, everyone's looking to retire comfortably. But what, what strikes me um, during my travels is when I meet with the youngest, the younger, the youth, right, uh, they have a keen interest uh, in um, investing and savings for their future, right? Because um, uh, I, I, f- I feel there's like this shift uh, even with uh, some role models or let's say c- the so- celebrity culture or like hip-hop artists where they're talking about investing, right? So uh, just to name like Jay-Z, um, you know, you have uh, Diddy. So these guys have all made a shift from wasting money into investing their money back into their communities, buying up the block quote, uh, meaning investing in real estate, <coughs> So this has trickled down to some of the youth, and, and the youth are very interested in, in you know, making sure their future is secure. So that, you know, this is where we come in. You know, it's funny uh, you say that because, you know, when I was growing up, I remember the story of MC Hammer. 
Yeah, you know, he, went he, broke. He, he, he went broke, <laughs> literally. Like, but then also recently, I think Johnny Depp was there was a story out on Johnny Depp that yeah. he basically, with all the millions and yeah. tens of millions he made, he went broke as well. So it's yeah. good that you have other examples of. Yeah, of I mean, I, you that. know, because uh, I, 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 I'm uh, involved with different scenes, right? So yeah. uh, entertainment industry, food, all that. So I come across different people, and I'm able to relate and bring it back to the core of investing and, and you know finance and. Yeah, you know, so my satisfaction, you know, when I go out there is is really educating folks and and really helping them and give them an aha moment of, oh yeah, you're right. You know what? Because I want them to look down the line, let's say ten, fifteen years, whatever that. Be like, you know, that guy Samir gave me some sound advice. You never know who you're going to influence uh, and uh, have a positive effect on. So that's awesome. Thank you for that. Uh, anybody welcome. else want to share something? I mean, I'll, I'll follow up on the last pa- podcast that Chris mentioned. We were talking about retirement specifically. So that's what I'm thinking about. When I started here in 2008, we were managing just a handful, maybe 10 401ks across the country. And these are 401ks mostly for nonprofits and mosques and schools and physicians and whatnot. We started to do more physicians these days. And what I've learned is that uh, many of the the teachers and educators uh, in general – and even imams and scholars across the country did not have a retirement plan for themselves. So what we don't want is for them to have to work until they're 95. Uh, or they, you know, they, they may want to retire at some point, but if you only have Social Security as your income, and if it's there for you, it's not enough. So what I've seen is I was recently at an association for schools, and uh, one of the principals stood up and she told the group of 70 people, that, look, I've been doing this for the last three years, and I'm convinced that everyone must do this. So it's like other people now are going out and, you know, um, mentioning to others about why, why to do this. So they're, they're hearing it from themselves instead of somebody else. I'll give you another story. One of the larger charity organizations in the United States, uh, Muslim-run uh, organization, opened up their 401k a number of years ago. And I, if somebody has a 401k, I like for them to keep their money in their 401k for retirement. But in this case, I was still happy, even though they withdrew it as a loan, because three of them, within about two years uh, of each other, after having their 401k for three or four years, had enough money to take out a 401k loan and pay themselves back and buy a home. You know, the American dream, right? That, we all want that. And for some people, especially in California and Virginia and you know New York and different parts of the country, it's very difficult because the cost is so high. So it gave them an opportunity to buy their own home and have their own investment in their home. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned always uh, um, about working until you're 95 because, uh, you know, because they have to work. I remember <clears throat> uh, a, uh, a charitable organization that I was, I was, I was a part of, and, and, uh, and one of the, we were always wondering why there were you know, people that were in their 60s and 70s that w- were working. And we always thought, you know, mashallah, you know, they really want, are dedicated to it and those type of things. And one time I happened to ask the, one of the guys, like, mashallah, you really dedicated this. He's like, brother, I'm not in this for, for this. I don't have a retirement plan. Right. Like, he didn't have anything no. else to rely yeah. on. Yeah, that's and right. that's why he was working that hard. And, that's you know, right. may reward him for working even in the 70s, 80s for the Islamic cause. But there should always be something left, you know, for you to be able to, in case something happens. Sure. For you to I, I've had time. the same example. I don't remember if I mentioned it last time, but... There was a lady in her late 60s in Los Angeles. I had given a presentation to one of the organizations out there, and she came up to me afterwards, and she said, you're right, Social Security doesn't pay enough. 
I'm getting $350 a month. I'm still working for this Islamic organization. I love them, but I don't want to work here anymore. But I have to because I live in Los Angeles. So I'll, I'll jump in with a story. Um, you know, um, a few years back, um, I was sitting with, with somebody, and, and we were just talking about their opening their account. And, and, uh, and, and they, we had a very ch- a good conversation just going back and forth, and I was just asking about their own life. And this, what they really mentioned to me actually really speaks to when you do things the right way, then Allah SWT takes care of you, right? And in that, in that situation, you know, this, this, this family, um, you know, they basically came here as immigrants like a lot of our, our, our parents did, um, a lot of us did. <clears throat> and, um, you know, they basically, you know, went out, got a, got a mortgage on a loan and were involved with the interest and all of those things. But, but this one um, uh, lady um, had, you know, one of those aha moments where she was like, you know what, I need to get out of this. So what she basically did was, you know, as she was um, saving, for, I mean, as, as they were buying the house, those type of things, she had actually put some money into a bank account. And literally, she told me, you know, you might think, no way this can't happen. But, I mean, this is from her mouth to my ears. Um, that, uh, um, and she basically said she had put some money into an account. And over the years, she just forgot about it. It wasn't that much money. They stopped sending statements, all of those different types of things. So, anyway, uh, go, we, we go on. She takes some of the money from another bank account. She puts a down payment on a conventional mortgage. You know, about 10 years or 15 years into it, she decides she's not going to do this anymore. So she li- basically liquidates um, everything that she has from her regular accounts, and she basically refinances the house. Okay, <clears throat> when she does that, um, she has just enough money left over, and she decides in order for her to be able to start clean, she's going to go and do uh, and do umrah. So she basically the rest of the money that she has, she buys a ticket, uh, you know, with a tour group. She goes there, and in the entire time that she's there, she's basically making uh, prayer to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala that. You know, somehow, you know, that, that she has enough to be able to pay off uh, whatever is remaining on the, now the Islamic mortgage, but enough to be able to take care of her family. When she gets back, and this is maybe about, I think she said about two or three weeks, she started getting calls from a bank she had never even heard of. And then all of a sudden she's, you know, um, finally she said, okay, after the fourth or fifth call, she calls them up and, and she says, you know, what do you want? And they said, you know, we've been trying to get a hold of you for the past 20 years. And, she, and basically what, what happened was that, she, that that account that she had lost in touch with, that had $250,000 in that account now. However it happened, she doesn't know. But literally she ended up with $250,000 in her bank account that she was able to use just because of the fact that she made, made herself clean. And then she went and asked you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that. I was just, when I was just sitting there, I was just like, just, I didn't have any words. A Ramadan miracle. <laughs> yeah. Alhamdulillah. It's interesting. It's interesting you say that. That reminds me of one of our other clients that, you know, he decided, you know, he was doing well and he decided, you know what, I really want to give back to the community. And he said he realized when he came from India to America that the situation in India, especially for women, as we know, it's probably one of the worst places to live as a woman. He said, I want to do something to at least save one woman. That was his intention. Like, at least if I can save one woman before... Hmm. I pass away, then at least I'll feel like I've done something. So he started a company where they take the supplies to the women's home. So either if they're widows or, you know, if their family situation is bad, they take the supplies to their home and they do all of the work at home. And then they turn around and they pick up the stuff that they do. So they're a company that makes, uh, you know, some type of um, accessories that you would have 
And so he started this, and his company has grown so much that he's won multiple awards. He has both Muslims and Hindus uh, in India that work for him. But he's gone from his intention of saving one woman to really saving almost, I think he has about 300 now that he's doing. So that's one of the stories that really inspires me. And that reminded me of a story. I sent this to him and a few of our other clients that really they remind me of this where there was a scholar that was talking about, you know, if you decide to do something, and he shared the story of Junaid Jamshed. Many people know him. When he first started his clothing business, it wasn't doing well. So he went to a scholar and he said, you know, I started this, it's not doing well. And the scholar said, well, you know, have you made Allah SWT your partner? And he's just like, no. He's like, what do you mean? He's just like, well, decide how much and make Allah SWT your partner. And then Junaid Jamshed decided, you know, one-fourth of whatever I'm getting, I'm going to give in the cause of Allah. And when he did that, he said his business instantaneously boomed. And then the scholar continued to share stories over and over again. But this reminded me of several of our clients, whether if it's a hospital facility where they just make their intention, I'm treating anyone that walks through the door. It doesn't matter if they have money or not. And you continuously see that business grow because their intention is not for the money, but their intention is to be able to do what they're supposed to be doing. That's awesome. Thank you for that. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a non-traditional view on this. Um, the question about you know uh, describe a success story you had. So, you know, a lot of us um, in the community we have this myth or taboo that you know everything is going to be taken care of in case something happens, incapacity or death or what have you. And I think uh, more important than any performance of an investment, return of a real estate, whatever you're thinking about is really, especially living in this country, is the protection, the risk management piece. And I'm talking about risk management from a family perspective. Uh, we all have kids under 18 or we have grandkids under 18. Everybody has in our community. And I always refer to my good brother and friend, Awais, who always says, you know, when we think about colleges, it's not about, you know, when we're going to go to colleges, what college we're going to go to. Um, but having said that, it's, it's important in this country that I don't, I, personally for me, um, I don't think uh, I want my, the, the courts to decide which foster system, like my kids, if God forbid something happens to my wife and I to go to, and how they're going to be raised in an Islamic uh, environment. And a lot of us either have some family here or have no family here, and that's very important. So um, uh, we work, uh, our team works with uh, state planning attorneys across the country um, that work specifically with Islamic wills and inheritance, but also asset protection for the kids and, and, and guardianship for the kids. And I think this is very important. And I'll, I'll name a case. Um, there was a family uh, that uh, unfortunately lost both hu husband and wife, um, and the kids um, were left with the grandmother. And due to the fact that this happened overseas, uh, they were U.S. citizens. They had a home here. They couldn't come back until the documents were proper because otherwise, if they had returned, immediately they would have been put in the foster care system. So I think it's very important uh, for the families who are listening to this to really ask this question and have a plan in place. I've been doing this uh, wealth management business and, and, and advisory business for multiple years, and I've always given advice to clients and to advisors to do their wills and trusts and guardianship. And I haven't done it till alhamdulillah, this past year. I, um, I, I did it, and I can sleep well at night, and, and I hope uh, a lot of you will, will do the same. Yeah, very important. Yeah, thanks for that, man. And, and that actually reminds me of a story as well. Uh, you know, when I was starting off in the industry, 
one of the my 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 second job actually was with with uh, uh, with a with fairly large company, and I was a financial advisor. And it, within a period of about six or seven months, I had two of the clients that I was dealing with pass away, right? And both in the Muslim community, both in the same city. So mm-hmm. one of the people that one of the um, the the, um, the the clients uh, working for you know a, a large uh, a company. You know, basically, like um, most of our, our relatives, you know, he was the breadwinner. He was the one in control of finances. Wife really knew nothing about anything. Um, she actually didn't even have a job when, 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 when he passed away. But the thing was is that he did leave behind uh, his 401k balance. Um, and with that and some other money that was left behind, although it took a while to be able to consolidate everything and those type of things, we were able to do that within about a year and a half of, 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 of that happening because there was no will, unfortunately. But really what happened was throughout this, with that pool of money that was there, roughly at that time and back in 1999, I would probably say it was about 700000 And we were thinking, you know, how are we going to make this work and all of those different types of things. But we basically said what we are not going to do is just invest, invest conventionally. We're not going to put an annuity. We're going to do something halal. So when we decided to do that, right, all of a sudden, you know, all throughout the years, she basically, the only talent that she had was she knew how to read Quran really well. So she put herself through school in uh, through uh, tajweed classes. Mm-hmm. She learned how to do it, and then at her height of of her teaching Quran, she was teaching forty kids, so, and that's how she paid for her her, her lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I mean, her her living, and then she put all of the three kids through school. Uh, the two of them are married now. Uh, with with now she's a grandmother, and just with that amount of money, um, even now she has enough to be able to retire on. Right? It's amazing, mashallah, that when, yeah. when when you actually begin to. Uh, um, uh, you know, invest in, in invest. Not only does it come back to you, but if you yeah. do it in the right way, then uh, you know Allah Subhanahu wa Taala opens doors for you. And, and now, being in Ramadan time, where our families are all to getting together, I think it's really important to have these difficult conversations with the family. And it doesn't have to be specific, like especially for the older generation. You know, uh, I've heard this from clients. Well, I don't want to know my kids how much money they're getting. They don't need to know how much money they're getting, but this is what they need to know. They need to know which advisor you're working with and who your trusted uh, financial person is so that when, God forbid, the time happens, they know who to call and things will move in a more smoother uh, transition and process. Yeah. Go for it. So um, uh, you mentioned about you know, sharing some success stories. I have uh, two that comes to mind. Um, one is from an advisor um, in California who's non-Muslim. And a third of his book is in the amount of funds. And when I asked him about, you know, who your clients are, um, are he said, none of them are Muslims. He, and so I asked him, you know, how did you come about learning about this? And he said, you know, I was, I was reading some articles back in early 90s, and he came about to learn about Amana and really believes in us, believes in our philosophy, believes in uh, seeing the performance. And alhamdulillah, um, it doesn't have to really fit a religious box. It has to fit a box of aligning investments with clients' values. And, and you know, and he, the, he continues to add uh, to the funds, and um, I'm really proud to see that out there, uh, not just in the community, but outside the community. And uh, I have a, um, a friend of mine um, who recently uh, sold his practice uh, for really uh, a good amount of money, and uh, I had met him before this happened, and um, his... Um, his assistant, or uh, yeah, his assistant um, in the firm, uh, when I was visiting with him, uh, when he introduced me from Amana, she goes, Amana, Amana funds? And I go, yes, Amana funds. 
And obviously, she's a non-Muslim, um, and uh, she's like, oh, I've been investing in Amana funds for years. And I said, that's interesting. What, uh, you know, what sparked, you know, how did you find it? And, and same, same thing. She, she came across it through um, um, uh, article or, or, or she heard it through someone talking about these funds. And um, she has built her majority of her 401k through the Amana fund. So I feel, I feel proud and great to be working for a firm where I can happily say that it's, it's, it's built for the Muslim community, but it's also used by a lot of non-Muslims for the fact that we're also a social responsible fund. And we are looking from a different lens every day on how to be ethical and so forth. So, I have a question, knowing that you all spend a lot of time on the road and going out in the community and I would imagine revisiting places repeatedly over time. Do you have the opportunity to observe personal growth in the stages from like, oh, this, somebody who is just now kind of... Mm-hmm being educated on Islamic finance going to actually implementing it. Do you have opportunities to kind of see that process and, and revisit with people? So we've had an opportunity to talk about individuals in the community. Um, I'll take this opportunity to answer about the, I guess I'll call it the infrastructure of the community, right, our institutions. And so what we found over the years is when we've talked to mosques and charities and other organizations, when you go back and revisit them, they may have started with $50,000. Some of them have a million and a half, $2 million in their accounts now, and they're in a much better position to do what they need to do. And what did it it take? It took uh, intention in the beginning and just having a plan and getting started, right? So putting $50,000 has turned out to be $2 million. There was an endowment in the East Coast where they had something like three, $400,000 in this endowment. It's in perpetuity. They're not going to be able to use the principal, only the, the gains from it. And, uh, but they had the intention of making an endowment, which would last forever. They had the intention to, to grow it over time. And they, had, they wanted to do this for the local community. So what ended up happening, and this, was a, this is one of the uplifting stories, is several years later, they did have some property on the side, some property that was not really worth a lot. But the government came through and said, we need to build a freeway here. And they gave them $3 million, and that went into the endowment. Now they have a legitimate endowment. So for those that are thinking just for yourself or for your uh, organization locally, you know, if you look back at it, Harvard has been around since the 1700s. Their endowment, most people know it, it's $40.9 billion. But it was not started in the 1700s. It was started in 1974. So, yeah, we will not get to $40 billion in 40 years, okay? Your local masjid or charity is not going to get there. But just getting it started, just like that masjid in the East Coast, you know, you get it started, now you're at $3.5 million, and that's going to throw off dividends and earnings that you're going to be able to run your organization. So take the first steps now, and, you know, 10 years, yeah. 20 years down the road, uh, your children and grandchildren will take the benefit from it. So when I was in the other Islamic finance life of mine, in the home mortgage industry, I remember there was an imam that called me, and he really wanted to try to get a house for him and his family, And what he was looking at, you know, just didn't kind of meet the criteria. He wasn't qualifying for Islamic finance, and he didn't want to go the conventional route. And I told him, I go, you know, I've seen this before, and it's true. I had seen it before. And I said, when this happens, there's a reason for it. And and he didn't get the home that he was looking at. He thought it was a really good deal. But not a couple of weeks or a couple months later, he called back 
same neighborhood, same size. He got a similar house for almost $100,000 less. And he qualified. It was within his means. You know, he was able to put a little bit more down for down payment. So every time, as you were saying before, when the intention is right and you're trying to stay away from riba, trying to stay away from companies that are in the haram sectors, I think Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala really opens doors. And it comes back to your intentions. And, and if they're pure, I think you'll clearly see advantages to it. Yeah, I mean, I'll just talk about why I'm probably even here <laughs> today. So um, many, many years ago, most of you heard of Al-Maghrib. My brother was the emir of Durba, which is the New Jersey chapter. So I got involved with Al-Maghrib uh, very heavily as, vo- as a volunteer and as a student. Um, <clears throat> so throughout that, you, you obviously learn about things, riba and all this, and you get a little more educated. So now you look at yourself as a culprit <laughs> of riba because you're working for a bank. So one time um, I had a one-on-one conversation with one of the shayuk, and I and I say, you know, I, I work in this industry, and I know m- most likely my my earning is not halal, right? Because it's coming from a bank. So what should I do? Should I just quit? And so his answer to me was, no, don't quit, yeah, but make the intention and start seeking out other options, you know, and then it'll, you know, inshallah, the doors will open for you. So. Um, it, it, it didn't happen immediately, of course, uh, but I always started having this conflicting thing about working with, uh, uh, you know, with, uh, with within the bank banking industry, especially with the practices going on, and all that comes comes full circle, right? So, um, and I think uh, it's because of that intention and other factors. Uh, I'm here uh, working in halal finance. And I know Munim and I had talked a long time ago yeah. <laughs> about this, too. Uh, he invited me out to Malaysia to stay with him and, and check it out. And I remember we were having this conversation, like, years ago, mm-hmm. like before this was a thought. <laughs> so That's true. I remember that now. That you're right, yeah, yeah. You, you invited me to come live, live, stay with you, yeah, and you were going right. to show me around. So yeah. At least 10 years ago. So, you know, like, like a lot of the stories we've been told, telling is it's one of the things that you can't quantify it, but there's something there. And I think each one, each one of us has felt it. There's some some benefit that happens yeah. when you do what you do, sure. uh, whether it be on the client side or on our side, which we're, you know we're, we're out there educating those type of things, and it's very difficult to like I said put in numbers and say this is how it worked out and that type of thing. But there is some greater force that's that's being able to do that. Yeah. So I wanted to thank um, all of you uh, for joining today um, and uh, on this on this day of Ramadan, and from my myself, uh, you know Ramadan Mubarak and uh, Eid Mubarak when it comes around. Yeah, Ramadan Kareem. Enjoy, eat well, be merry. <laughs> uh, may Allah accept your uh, fasting I mean, and du'as and prayers. And thank you for uh, for this uh, lovely um, conversation we had. Ramadan Mubarak. In Ramadan, we've been doing this for the last few years, and we want to continue. So if anyone wants us to do it in your city, we like to do some uh, iftars and uh, invite our current clients and any of their friends to come join us. So if that's something that you'd like to do, please reach out. Have a great rest of the Ramadan and hope you have a tremendous Eid as well. Yeah, thank you for that, man. And actually, it reminded me of another story uh, really quickly. I was one time in San Francisco, and this was Pakistan Day, of all places. And so I was, I was actually doing, there was a bazaar uh, or a festival kind of Pakistan Day. And so I had a booth out there. And as we we're sitting there and all the Pakistanis were walking by, there was actually just like a, a regular resident of San Francisco just happened to walk by, saw what was going on, smelled the food, loved it, was walking by. 
And he looked at my booth and was like, hey, I'm a funding holder. I'm a shareholder. And we started having a long conversation about how he got involved in those type of things. But it was just really cool to, to really uh, you know, have a random person in the street actually be a shareholder of your funds and Absolutely. happen to bump into you uh, in the middle of nowhere. So it's great. And, it, and people confuse us with them and uh, refrigerators, and <laughs> I have to tell them we're not. <laughs> yeah. Actually, you say that as a joke, but in the initial early days, um, a lot of our uh, shareholders, we used to joke that a lot of shareholders would, would call us, and they initially called because they want to know about the refrigerator, but they figured out it was a fun. And said, so right. what are you guys about? And, then, and you don't get a mono refrigerator if you open an account with us. It's not the old days where they give you a toaster when you open it. Toaster. Right. <laughs> so, well, thank you again, guys. Thank you. Please consider an investment's objectives, risks, charges, and expenses carefully before investing. To obtain this and other important information about the Amana Funds in a current prospectus or summary prospectus, please visit amanafunds.com or call toll-free 1-800-728-8762. Please read the prospectus or summary prospectus carefully before investing. Investing involves risk, including the risk that you could lose money. The Amana Funds restrict investments to those companies consistent with Islamic and sustainable principles, which limits opportunities and may affect performance. This material is for general information only and is not a research report or commentary on any investment products offered by Saturna Capital. This material should not be construed as an offer to sell or the solicitation of an offer to buy any security in any jurisdiction where such an offer or solicitation would be illegal. We do not provide tax, accounting, or legal advice to our clients and all investors are advised to consult with their tax, accounting, or legal advisors regarding any potential investment. Investors should not assume that investments in the securities and or sectors described were or will be profitable. This podcast is prepared based on information Saturna Capital deems reliable. However, Saturna Capital does not warrant the accuracy or completeness of the information. Investors should consult with a financial advisor prior to making an investment decision. The views and information discussed in this commentary are at a specific point in time, are subject to change, and may not reflect the views of the firm as a whole. All material presented in this publication, unless specifically indicated otherwise, is under copyright to Saturna. No part of this publication may be altered in any way, copied, or distributed without the prior express written permission of Saturna Capital.